It's actually now my great pleasure to introduce our keynote speaker today, um, an amazing woman that I've had the privilege to be working with over the last two years since we met. Um, Mary Graham is an adjunct associate professor um, at the University of Queensland and has, I can honestly say, one of the most amazing minds I've ever met. Um, I've learnt more from conversations with her than I think I did through my whole law degree. Um, Mary Graham looks at politics, philosophy, ethics, um, and is a really one of the most amazing experts on pre-1788 governance systems on this continent, the amazing systems that existed and still exist um, in Aboriginal Australia. So Mary's going to speak with us. Um, we might bring her up here so she can be nice and comfy. And can I ask someone to help me with that mic? Because I'm technologically challenged. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to thank um, Nina for inviting me to present, make a presentation today. Um, also to acknowledge the Wiradjuri, the traditional owners of the area, the Wiradjuri people. Um, and sorry about the, uh, um, the auntie, the elder, her, her sick. Um, give my regards to her uh, uh, later on. Um, so, um, I had some things ready to put up, but I'm not very good with the technology myself, so my USB didn't work. But I'll send it on to uh, Michelle, eh? and um, if people uh, would like it, you know, maybe she'll send it out by email to people, if they want. Um, so, I guess, um, to do with a, a, an economy, um, I've had several people who like influenced me over the years, um, my own family, um, many Aboriginal people, blackfellas. I'll, I'll use the term blackfellas because I'm sort of more comfortable with that, if that's all right. And if you don't mind, I'll say the word whitefellas. I'm sorry, I'm comfortable with that too. Among ourselves, it doesn't, it's just a way of uh, talking. Um, uh, white people who are used to being with Aboriginal people, they Use, they use that term themselves, actually, quite often, white fellows, black fellows, and so on. So, I'll introduce myself, though, too. Um, I was born in Brisbane, Mary Graham. Well, I was born in Brisbane, but grew up in my father's people's land uh, on the Gold Coast, the Yugambeh Combamiri mob. Um, on my mother's side, she was a Waka Waka person. Um, so, her, her area was um, around about Sherberg. I don't know if you've heard of that, about three or 400 miles northwest of um, Brisbane uh, Reserve. Uh, she was under the Act, uh, but my father wasn't. He wasn't under the Act, so when they married, he had to ask permission from the local police sergeant of the town, of the area, um, if, he could, if, if they could get married. And, so, uh, he, and he never forgot that and brought her back down to the Gold Coast. So I have lots of relatives around southeast Queensland I have a talented son, John, published writer. Um, and I've learned a great deal from family and relatives, friends, and from white followers who are friends and white followers in books too. <laughs> um, so I learned a great deal over, over a long period of time while I was like working in all kinds of different things, washing dishes <laughs> and cleaning on the Gold Coast in different places, in restaurants and cafes. Um, but eventually, um, I, I always kept on reading. 
And one of the things that uh, always interested me about, um, in answering the question about why the, the, the last 230, 50 years, I think, um, happened, <clears throat> was, um, which surprised me, was um, it really came about how, within a particular society, how people treated one another. Um, and as I understood and grew older and learnt more things and so on and so on. And uh, when you're young, you know, you ask your parents why things happen and so on. And I remember asking my father something like this, um, how come all these things happen? Uh, the terrible things, I mean, the bad things. And he's, his answer was, which really surprised me, uh, he said, well, they, they didn't know what they were doing, he said. And I thought it was an amazing thing to say, considering all the things he could have said, you know, considering what happened down, well, everywhere. Uh, you may know there's a massacre map being created now by some academics um, at one of the universities, I think. Um, but anyway, that, that really amazed me. Um, it showed his understanding of things, and it wasn't to do with him being, um, for example, making it softer for a young person asking a question like that so as not to upset them. That's the first thing you, you think, oh, well, that's what they have to say, that sort of thing. Um, but he actually really, really, really meant it. And he really meant it in the sense of it's, it's, a, diff it's a different way of thinking. Um, and I can't go into it too much, uh, mainly because it's just a bit difficult to explain it, really, in, in that personal sort of way. But I came across the same kind of thing, the same kind of thinking, when I read um, years, years later, something by um, uh, Hannah, Hannah Arendt. I don't know if people uh, know that name, Hannah Arendt, great German philosopher from the, you know, very hard going. <laughs> but uh, she spoke about wrong thinking or something, wrong, wrong thinking for that, uh, what occurred, you know, the terrible things that occurred there in that, in those, in that uh, continent. So, um, all this I'm talking about as a build-up to what I really want to talk about here um, is that if we're talking about a new, a new economy, I figure that considering all these things that have happened over the last sort of like 10,000 years, I'd say, something like that, this is in the rest of the world, not, not just here, not here, <coughs> well, not just here, um, uh, was the idea of security. And it struck me that it all begins with security. If people have a particular view or idea about their relationship with land, with, with whether you call it territory or property and so on, but land itself, how is it uh, managed? Uh, how is it controlled? And what people do, actually? How do they live, actually? Um, you know that famous saying, how should I live? Um, it's as if a whole collective, a whole collective of people, different collectives in different continents actually, how should we live? And it seemed as if the answer is, uh, has all kinds of cultural, there isn't any one answer of course, because there's a great variety of cultural answers, but the, the main one seemed to be is to how to have a secure life actually how to live in security and live in confidence, especially having confidence in your own system, 
of, of way of life and so on and so on. And that sort of got me to thinking about um, a whole range of things, everything I'd been learning from um, relatives and friends, other Aboriginal people and so on, about our own old system, ploughing your way through all the, um, what would you call it, the mistaken ideas of anthropology. Uh, some interesting ideas too, of course, but um, those sorts of ideas about anthropology. And it seems as if um, the very beginning of, of seeing land in a particular kind of way seemed to stand out and looking at how Aboriginal people sort of looked at this uh, was sort of vastly different, but it was described in a particular anthropological way which wasn't too positive, as people know. And gradually, I know, they've, that their, their views, their arguments have changed over time. They've, you know, learnt more things and learnt the main thing is that their, their discipline comes from an actual set of cultural values themselves. It's not the truth for all time. <laughs> it's just, you know, they have an opinion. They come from a particular value, uh, culture, and that's why they think the way they did, do or did. Um, so so the, the, some of the things that stand out for me, and I, when you sort of see it or get it, this particular um, schematic design, I suppose you'd call it, is that this is the one... Oh, I don't know if people could see it. It's a, basically a circle, you know. And in the centre of that circle is land, place, the relational, origins, beginnings, endings and continuities. So everything starts with land. Land is also like a witness, actually, to human activity and, you know, action. And the things coming out of it or through it for Aboriginal people is essentially the, uh, the ontology, the idea of relationality. So literally, land invents us, you know, uh, so we're obliged to look after it. So a whole set of different attributes have come out of this understanding. And one is autonomy, empathy and ethics, which we never had any word for eth empathy or ethics, but it's the law, L-A-W, the law. That is, um, it's actually, you know, the philosophical terms of be being with a capital B and becoming with a capital B. <laughs> so your stance of how you live and then how you go into the world, you know, how you proceed into the world, how you are, are in a process of becoming and so on. So they have a word for, like, the, the old word is law for empathy and uh, for ethics and morality and so on. The other one is balance, balance in all things, gender balance, um, balance in understanding about conflict, um, and, and place itself, of course. Place meaning belonging and so on and so on. So the relationship, the first relationship, um, the first relationships between humans and, and, and um, other. So it's first of all with, with land because it invents us and so on and so on. So those sorts of things um, and what comes out of that is also the ideas of reciprocity as a kind of a rule of law, reciprocity. So you look after one another, you look after the land and that's a template. 
Uh, and of course, uh, the related word thing, it's almost like they're twins, I suppose, in ideas, is stewardship. The idea of looking after something that's larger than ourselves, which is the land, of course. It's larger than ourselves. You would think family would be in the middle, but it's not. In this, in this understanding of existence, land is always in the middle. Because we, we, we learn ethics by looking after something that's greater than ourselves outside of ourselves. And in a, I can't think of any other word except to say sneaky, <laughs> in a sneaky, odd, roundabout sort of way, you actually, you're learning ethics actually. You're learning uh, principles or ethics. So nobody is ordering you like a, a spiritual int intermediary or something like that, or any kind of great teacher or anything, telling you to, this is how you are, this is how you must behave, this is how to be good, and so on and so on. You're actually learning it in a roundabout way. And it does two things. Um, you're looking after the land, you're looking after resources, you're managing resources really well. Um, and I know it sounds strange, but we are exploiting it. We are exploiting the land. But the key thing is not, not to the detriment or disadvantage of anything else. That's the key thing. How to do this exploitation, uh, use, if you like, uh, without, you know, doing this um, uh, at somebody else's expense. So, um, so security, security from our point of view, and I'm talking about security in the most basic sense too, all, um, what do you call it, life forms, every life form, um, organisms. They, in, in the beginning, in the very beginning, you're, you're looking after yourself, you're, you're trying to survive. It's, it is survivalist. But whether or not to have a survivalist ethos or a relationalist ethos is an actual choice thing. And I guess, and of course you, you had to spare 10,000 years or so, you know, tens of thousands of years to work this out. Um, and, you know, uh, that's what Aboriginal people did. Uh, they opted for this, the idea of a relationalist ethos. So we, we are survivalists too, but that is in the, in the most basic kind of way. Um, the world, you know, the land and the waters and everything is full of scary stuff, and, and sometimes scary people, of course, too. Um, but all of that is kind of natural, natural, it's, it's na nature, you know, it's a natural thing. Um, so uh, it's, it's a further step yet, still, to go as far as working out um, to have a, a survivalist ethos. A survivalist ethos tells you that um, the whole world is, a, and ultimately it's a hostile place, and you have to look out for number one, basically. Um, you have to, um, you know, all the popular sayings, get them before they get you, and so on and so on. But what it means in governance terms is that you have a system whereby um, you have a, uh, what do you call it, like um, a security guarantee of some sort. Now that could be in the form of um, uh, 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 an elite warrior guard, you know, Praetorian guard in the Roman times, um, Spartans, you know, the Sparta kind of system. Um, different, different cultures have all of those, had different versions of those sorts of security guarantees. <laughs> And I remember at that last one, uh, I think it was in Brisbane, 
having a rather, um, how shall I put it, a robust conversation <laughs> with a French academic. I had to be a French academic, you know. I like arguing, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> and uh, he said he couldn't understand how you could, how could the, a people have a, um, a, a stable, um, efficient society without it being forced. How do you have that? How on earth do you have that? How do you have a peace and stability, you know, without a peacekeeping force to force people to behave in a certain way? And of course, this is all to do with a, a different view of law altogether, as um, Michelle and I have often talked about, and um, Professor um, Irene Watson talks about very, very well. It's, it's a, a lawful society. So, very briefly, looking after land in this obligatory way is actually lawful in our terms. It's the law. So our behaviour, stance, stance and conduct, or being and becoming, is actually the law, you know. So we're attending to that. So, and that's exactly how it was done. And of course people did break the law, you know, occasionally. But there were different ways in different places how to handle it and so on. So I'm, I'll just try and go a bit uh, quicker. Um, the other, the other one that's uh, sort of a matching this one. I call it a. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Throwing it away. Sorry, love. Um, I call it an economic world. Thank you. Um, an economic world, and everybody's obviously, you know, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't heard of Adam Smith. <laughs> a lot of people here, but you know that he wrote a book, uh, wrote something else called the Theory of Moral Sentiments which gets, gets and got quite ignored, fully, just totally ignored. Everybody, economists, just look at that first book, you know, The Wealth of Nations. But the theory of moral sentiments, he says things like, um, he investigated the need for actions based on values that go well beyond profit-making. He said that prudence, and there's a, a matching word that I realised when I read that word, uh, the, uh, Aboriginal people use this word proper, the, a proper way of conduct, a proper, not just a proper way of making a sandwich or something, but proper as in principled, principled actions. Do you know what I mean? Well, it could mean that too. You know the old, the old book, uh, uh, the, what is it, the art of, the Zen art of motorcycle maintenance, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, it is a bit like that, you know? So proper, but prudence, yeah, was most useful to the individual, but that humanity, justice, generosity, public spirit are the qualities most useful to others. So... He, if he knew, if he'd known Aboriginal people, who knows? You know, it's all up in the air, imagination and so on. But um, he might have understood, uh, saw that that's actually eventually that's what we tried to do. We tried to have that because of that close relationship with land. But security is the big thing, you know. If it, you know, I th I think, and it's wonderful that people do want to have a new a new economy you know, and look after food, look after land, and so on and so on. But a new economy means a completely different governance system. It's big, big change. It's not piecemeal, I think. I'm sorry I'm saying this. I don't mean it to sound like a criticism. But it's got to be... Uh, uh, it can't be done in, you know, bits and pieces. Starting off, yes, definitely, absolutely. Uh, but, but probably one of the big things is teaching children that teaching children that. Um, so, sorry, I was just going to go back to this um, um, idea. 
I'm trying to. <laughs> um, so, sit, sitting in um, the same kind of design, schematic design, but instead of self and community autonomy, you're an autonomous being, and that's the whole idea about um, introducing um, acknowledgement of country. You know, it's not just good manners and politeness; it's actually acknowledging the autonomy of the other. And you have to, in Aboriginal terms, you have to say it all the time. You have to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And that's, it, it actually, literally, you are, you are maintaining peaceful relations between your neighbours and other people. So you have to keep saying this acknowledgement. And the other person knows that too, you see. So we're autonomous clan groups, autonomous people, and women are autonomous beings also. So in the place of self and community autonomy, it's the individual and the state, the terrible twins, um, little or weak autonomy. Somehow, if somebody could work out how do you strengthen one's autonomy in this, it seems like it's practically impossible, isn't it? You know, um, unless you want to, I don't know, examine political philosophy. You know, look, look at, you know, and and that's that's really, really, you know, it's very, very difficult. The other one, spirit and human agency, in the Aboriginal one, empathy and ethics, the law. Here it's spirit and human agency still. These, all these things still exist. Um, but in its place, instead of the, the law, in a sense, is marketing, marketing of life itself and, and ethics. Everything and anything seemingly can be marketed. Even when we're looking at a new economy, really, you won't be able to avoid a certain amount of marketing, eh? I guess. You know, we won't, won't be able to. Uh, I'm not saying all marketing is bad, you know, or all um, developers are bad or something like that, but just really looking at that very carefully. Um, the other one, the other side, events, actions and intent, and uh, on the Aboriginal one is balance. Events, actions and intent is commodification in this, an economic world. Everything is commodified. Eh? We ourselves, ourselves, our, everything from the very large to the very small, everything is commodified. Actions, you know, feelings, everything. What isn't commodified, you know? Uh, and the other one, the Aboriginal individual family, clan, community, place and belonging, especially belonging. Um, this economic one, the individual family community, place and stroke mobility, because it's a mobile world. Sorry, two minutes, okay. Yeah. So basically, um, it just, just shows a, a difference. Not saying it's bad, but um, in Aboriginal terms, an economic world is, um, is um, in a sense, given the long time frame we're talking about, it's, um, you know, it's a time, it's, we're in this time frame. We're in the, in Aboriginal um, speak, we're in the time of eco economics. We're in economics land, do you know? It's a different, completely different way of looking at it. But that's what I would really look at very carefully is the rules of engagement to do with um, security, obligations as, far, as part of governance, in, instead of, and I know this might disturb white fellows, uh, especially because it's, um, it's a tradition of rights, but rights, um, I, I have often wondered why obligations aren't more um, legally um, stronger than, than rights in Western legal law. And Michelle explained it very good, very well, why it isn't, you know. Um, but somehow, I don't know how, but somehow obligations should come to the fore rather than rights. 
and I know that's hard because we ourselves, you know, talk about human rights, uh, land rights, you know, and so on and so on. But it is comes back to our system of, of obligations. Can't give up obligations. So everybody, all of us, can say we have obligations to the next generations. You know, we've got to leave them a world, a good world, you know, a proper world, a proper world. The only other thing I'd say is um, something about, I've read Nina, uh, the, you know, the reasoning why, and I was just going to suggest something like a philosophy or a, a worldly philosophy, because we're, you're talking about really changing a whole world, do you know? <clears throat> Economics, you know? Um, so something deeper and more philosophical, moral, you know, I know there's problems with that word, but um, if something could be written up uh, in that way, uh, not just that it's a good idea, because I, I, I agree with all these other ideas of recycling and the food, the, the food, it's especially, especially food safety and so on, um, all of that. But something, you know, why are you doing it? What is, what is it for? It shouldn't be just for survivalism because you're, you're still in that framework, you see? Survivalism, security comes first. The best security will come from a relationality, the best one. And that's what Aboriginal people found, you know? Relationality. It doesn't mean everybody joining their hands and singing Kumbaya and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's rubbish, truly. It, it really is. It, oh, well, it's not rubbish, but it's, um, it's a bit of a waste of time because you, you don't like some people, and that's what's normal also. And I suppose one of the good things that Aboriginal people did uh, work out is how do you have a system that's stable and efficient while working with people that you don't like, you know? It's easy to do that with people you like and all think alike, but people that you don't like, how do you do that, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much, Mary. Um, every time I hear you speak, I learn so much more and the deeper thinking around human ethics and relationality. Are there any questions? Thank you so much, Mary. That was an amazing talk. Um, my name is Monique. I work at um, the University of Technology in Sydney. And um, my question is um, about what you were saying about autonomy and um, I guess finding ways in um, educating and, and teaching children and young people um, to develop a sense of autonomy. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, please. Right. Well, um, to, just to give an example, uh, working years ago, working with a, a school, people at a school, and they were talking about how to, um, well, uh, get people, get, get uh, students to understand more about the land and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, so working out, um, because most schools, and th their particular school had a garden, you know, gardens, they were growing things, some food, some flowers and stuff. So, um, so the idea was that they would actually create that space, small space, um, but probably growing, um, to encompass a whole range of other things, not just growing things, how they grow and... Uh, learning the science of it too, uh, but the Aboriginal part of it is that <clears throat> they could perform plays there, I don't know, uh, draw it, draw, the, draw and paint the place, invite their parents there. All this is, has to be worked out, of course. Um, settle little arguments there, 
<laughs> their own little disagreements and so on. So they make it their own, their place, their, uh, it's a home, it's almost like a home, you know. Um, so it, the place and belonging and that the land isn't just the background or wallpaper, it's actually they're interacting with land. So land is their witness, you know, um, and they're being infused with it in, in the same way that, well, they reckon scientists reckon that Aboriginal people are genetically embedded in this land, you know, and the, the land itself is in our, our genes and so on and so on. Um, but I think that's true for everybody. Um, if you grow up in a country, particular country, your water you drink and the food you eat from that country, that, that means that the cells, I don't know the science thing of it, but you're genetically embedded in that country. It's just that we've been embedded here for eons. Do you know what I mean? So we could start off like that, you see, that kind of thing. Plus, um, their general activity. So it would be um, encouraged, that kind of autonomy, with the politeness, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah? So it's not telling kids you are an autonomous being, acting it out. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Okay.